Well, happy Mother's Day. How's all the moms doing? Yeah, Alan did a great job talking about moms. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm super thankful for my mom and for all the stuff I put her through, and I'm still putting her through. Amen? I don't, I'm not that bad. I don't know why she, anyways. Uh, you guys doing well? Great. Um, so last week, uh, we kind of opened up with this series called Dead or Alive. Um, naming it, I did think of the Bon Jovi song, Wanted, Dead or Alive. You know, every time it goes through my head, everybody knows that song, right? If not, that's okay. Uh, it's stuck in my head every time I talk about it. But um, uh, last week, we concluded with uh, that we were, uh, co- that we co-died, that we were co-buried, that we were co-resurrected, and now we are co-seated. Um, and basically, we kind of defined it with, uh, we died, we died, we died. I kind of, I said that a couple different times uh, last week. But really, I, I don't know if I fully explained why we had to die. I think that's super important to know why we had to die. Wouldn't you guys say so? <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, it says in the Passion Translation, it says, For since death came through a man, Adam, came through one man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God. You open our eyes to this truth, God, of who we are and that we get to see ourselves how you see us. And we trust for each one to get that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, But we died because we were in Adam. We died because we were in Adam. um, And basically, we needed to die. Like, uh, we were of the lineage of Adam. Uh, We came from that lineage. And the only way that new life could happen is if that old person died. Under the old life, I just want to give you like a, a quick little synopsis for both. But under the old life, it was the life under sin. It was in the realm of sin. We were slaves to sin, a slave to unrighteousness. We were under condemnation, and basically we were under the reign of Adam. Okay, under this new life, it's the realm of forgiveness. It's life of righteousness. It's no condemnation. It's no judgment. It's life of Christ. It's the reign of grace. That's where we live uh, right now. Um, Adam's decision separated mankind from God. Okay, does everybody agree with that? Like Adam's decision separated mankind from God. Jesus' decision separated mankind from sin. Jesus' decision separated mankind from sin and, and basically allowed it to where we can now be in union with Christ. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17, you guys know this verse. Um, it's in the New Living. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. Right? Some of us need to dwell on that. I know I need to dwell on that. Every day I need to think about the fact that the old is gone. The old person, the old me, the person I used to be is gone. The person that was dead, to, dead in sin is now dead to sin and alive in God. Uh, This news needs to be our new reality. It needs to be at the forefront of our mind every single day. The old you is gone. The new you is now here. We need to resolve that in our minds 
that we are no longer there. And there's not an old nature and new nature. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but there's an old nature and a new nature. I know the NIV uses some of those translations and they bring in old nature, new nature, but there's no nature. In fact, um, I don't know if you, I heard this in youth group, um, but like they, they talk about the wolves. Anybody ever heard about the wolves and that there's a white wolf and a black wolf? Um, I don't know where Joey's at. Uh, Joey likes wolves. <laughs> I like wolves. I think they're cool, right? Wolves are neat. I like them from a distance. I'm glad they don't live in Florida. Some of you are like, they don't live in Florida? No, they don't live in Florida. Um, but I'm glad that they are what they are. But I also know that there is no black wolf and white wolf living inside of us, and whichever one we feed the most is the one we give into. Okay, that was kind of the thinking that you were told is if you feed the old man, the old man will come alive. If you feed the new man, the new man will come alive. And none of that thinking is true. Okay, the old man is gone and removed, and the new, the new man is here. As long as you think the old man is there, though, you're going to make allowances for him as if he was. You're going to think about those things. You're going to give too much place to that. Romans 6, 6 kind of takes me back to Romans 6, and we're going to spend a little bit more time here this week. We're going to finish up in Romans 6, um, but I love this whole chapter. If you didn't get a chance to be here last week, go through the first part of Romans 6, but Romans 6, 6, it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him, our old self, who we used to be, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. The body of sin might be brought to nothing, okay? Okay so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So it says that we know. We know, like we know, we know, we know, but what do we know? We know that the old self was crucified. That's where we've arrived at, is that the old self was crucified, and if you don't believe you are a new creation, then, the, then your actions will actually line up with that. Like if you constantly are thinking that you still have to crucify the old self and you have to crucify it daily and you have to take up your cross daily, if you think those thoughts, then, you will, then your actions will actually line more up with that. And it's funny because, you know, people that are afraid of grace, right, they're afraid of talking about this new life that we live, it's so interesting because they put so much emphasis on killing the old man every single day that their attitudes and their... Uh, personality continues to creep back up on them, and they spend more time trying to crucify the old self, and they give more power to sin, right? It's like the very thing that they're afraid of because of fear, right? They give more power to. In other words, if you don't believe you are the new self, the very righteousness of God, then your behavior will always be something that you're trying to control. Does that make sense? If you don't believe that you're the new self and that it's your job to kill the old self on a daily basis, then what, what's interesting is you give more power to the old self than it actually has. Flesh can't control flesh. Does that make sense? Like, you, you, you can't, as much as you'd love to control yourself, how many of you guys know, like, if you start thinking about ice cream, more than likely you're going to go get ice cream. Am I right? Or if you start thinking about that new car that you want, Sorry, we're going to go get the new car. You know, you get, the, you get the model on your thing, and you start thinking, I want to satisfy that thought. Okay? Flesh can't control flesh. Romans 6.11, it says, likewise, you also reckon yourself. Okay, reckon, that's a uh, country term, isn't it? Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we read it in New American, uh, I like that translation better. It says, so you too consider yourselves 
to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This word consider, uh, or to consider, consider, the word consider, it means to gaze on steadily or reflectively. To gaze on steadily or reflectively. It's saying consider who you are now. Consider, spend more time considering the old person is God and the new person is here. That's why you know James, it talks about, it talks about how the word uh, is a mirror and it shows us who we actually are. I remember we used to do uh, middle school about 20 years ago. Me and my wife taught middle school. And, and we bought everybody a token after we'd gone through a summer with these students. And one of the, the phrases that we put on there is remember your reflection. And it was funny because it kind of had somewhat of a, like a condemning uh, mindset in the, in the sense of, like, you better remember your reflection so that you don't mess up, okay? And I would write the same term now, or the same phrase now, remember your reflection all over again, but more of no matter what your flesh does, no matter what you do, no matter if you make a mistake, no matter if you step out of what you would, you would consider to be something, you, you, no matter what, you're, you just need to remember your reflection. You guys remember Lion King? Does everybody remember Lion King? You guys don't remember Lion King? Come on, it's good, right? And you remember when the father was speaking to the son and he said, remember who you are, right? Remember that? And what was interesting in that moment is he was also seeing reflection that he looked a lot like his father in that moment. And I believe in that moment, he's also saying, that's what, that's, it's like God talking to us, remember who we are. It doesn't matter what we're doing. And if you remember what he was doing, he was just kind of being lazy. He wasn't taking back the kingdom. He wasn't doing all the things. He was just living his life, right? Akuna Matata. He was doing whatever, whatever came. And what I want you to know is when you remember who you are, Remember who you are. It's not remembering who you used to be. It's not remembering the things that you used to do. It's remembering who he is in you. Amen? Um, Romans 6.12, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live and do not give in to sinful desires. Right? We discovered last week that the only way to give in to sinful desires is by not considering yourself dead to sin. Right? And alive unto God. Romans 6.13, we're going to continue. It says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Can I tell you what the number one instrument that we serve sin with is, is our mind, right? It's our mind. That's, that's an instrument, that can be an instrument of sin. If you, an unrenewed mind, right, a mind that only bases its worth on what it's done or what it's doing or what you've been through in life, and not who you are, and not who God has made you, right? That can be dangerous. Uh, we have the mind of Christ. That's why scripture says we have the mind of Christ. You guys know Philippians 4.8. It says to think on the thoughts that are true, honest, pure, just, lovely, and of a good report with virtue and praise. I love the other, it goes on a little bit later, but it says to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. And most of the time we think we got to bring thoughts captive to how we want them to be, right? we got to focus on them. But really, you're bringing it to the obedience of Christ. His obedience is where you get to live on a daily basis. You don't get to think on the thoughts of your obedience because if we're all honest, we're not that obedient, okay? We're not that perfect. We still have a flesh. We have an unrenewed flesh. But we do have a spirit, and we do get to look at who he is and what he's done. Uh, verse 13, it, it continues. It says, instead, give yourselves completely to God. 
right? For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. In other words, stop trying to overcome sin in the natural. Like stop trying, like stop putting a one, two, three for the goals of this year and I'm going to overcome sin, these three sins this year. That's a pretty rough life, especially when you realize that sin has already been overcome by Christ. Romans 6, 14, it says, sin is no longer your master. Maybe put that on the one, two, three. Sin is no longer our master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. That is good news. You don't live under the requirements of the law. You don't have to have the law as your master anymore. You don't have to. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Can I tell you, if the law was still our master, you would not be able to do what is right for the glory of God? You wouldn't be able to. Because he's made you right, you actually get to do what is right for the glory of God. Uh, sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So you don't live under the law. You live under the freedom of God's grace. The law is what the old man operated under. Do this. Okay, I'm going to do that. Do this. I'm gonna, and most of the time when we got to the point, we'd realize we actually couldn't do all the things that we were hoping to do. The only way that the old man no longer is your master is if you're no longer operating under the law, but under grace. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. The only way that the old man no longer is your master is if you're no longer operating. Now, I will tell you, if you're under grace, you can still try to operate under the law. You can still try. But you're going to realize your, your, your boat has holes in it. Renew your mind to the life under grace. I remember, um, so it says, renew your mind to the life under grace. Like, re renew your mind to this new way of living, this new grace life, right? I remember I moved to Ohio um, the first time. We moved there twice, unfortunately. But the first time <laughs> we moved to Ohio, uh, I was probably 21, uh, or no, how, 23, I'm sorry, 23. Um, 23, and I had to retake my license, um, if you ever had to retake your license, it's not that scary uh, because you've been driving already, okay? And I remember when I went in and I thought, I I'm not going to study for it. It just it wants me to do it, uh, the, you know, do it with the books. And so I sat at the computer, did the whole thing. Um, and I got, one, I got one answer wrong. And I was just curious. I was like, what could that answer be? Um, and so the, the guy showed me, it was actually a picture of a, a triangle. I think we have the picture, right? There it is, right? Okay, so... Me, the Florida boy from Melbourne who's now moved to Ohio, I did not know what that was, okay? I didn't have any clue. I know maybe some of you guys in Florida understand it now. You're all adults and mature. But I failed on this part right here. And I couldn't figure out why I did not get this answer right. And the reason why is when you're in Ohio, most of the time you find these on the back of the next picture, these, okay? <laughs> Now, for some reason, you don't see these driving on A1A over in the beach. I don't know why. In between, you know, the Corvette and the Lamborghini, they just don't, these don't keep up. So I, could, I, I failed on this one. It was very unfortunate. I wanted 100% and I didn't get 100%. Okay. But the reason why it didn't work out was because I didn't understand what the law was in Ohio. 
my mind had not been renewed. I'm not saying triangles don't work down here too and all that. But my mind had not been renewed to their type of thinking. What they thought was important. And this is what I'll say about grace is just because you know, do this, do that. that does, that's, not the, that's no longer the law that we live under. We live under the law of grace. And if you guys only come to church and you only learn about the law, the hard part is you'll only learn to function under the law. And, and what's sad about that is it will only increase sin. I mean, I, I could not tell you how many churches I've been to where they have everything that we should be doing, right? You, everything. You need to know everything. And then they come up with their own things there at the culture, and they, they name their own things that they think we should be doing. But the hard part is that sin is only increased under those type of environments. Romans 6.15 it says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Let me just go back to that. Since God's grace has set us free from the law. That's just good news. Write that down too. Does that mean we can go on sinning? And it says, of course not. Of course not. Verse 16 says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are the one, or you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. This word obey in the Greek, hopefully I can say it right, but it, I believe it means hupakau, okay, hupakau, which means to listen or to hearken to or to answer. And my question is, are you listening to the doctrine of death, which comes from Adam, or are you listening to the obedience of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ? It was Christ's obedience that freed us. It was Christ's obedience that freed us. I want to continue in Romans 6. It says, uh, verse 17, it says, But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. We were delivered from that form of doctrine to be sla of slaves of sin, right? Verse 18, it says, And having been set free from sin... You became slaves of righteousness. Verse 19, it says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawless leading to more lawlessness, right? So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Whatever doctrine you yield your thoughts to, that is which will dominate you. This is why I can't listen to mixture anymore. I don't know if you guys are on the same page, but I can't listen to grace and law all in the same week. It about drives me crazy. And I'll talk about it probably forever. And I'm so thankful for this church where we don't, we don't have to listen to law and grace and all the mixture. And let me explain it to you if you can understand it this way, okay? I used to do uh, construction years ago, and one of my mentor-type people, his name was Jeff Washington, uh, he was about 50 years old at the time. I think I was in my early 20s. And this guy was awesome, um, huge muscular guy, loved him. He, you know, he taught me all sorts of things about the trades. And he'd been in and out of prison a lot, which you wouldn't think somebody knows how to do construction had been in and out of prison. But this guy did. For some, every time I got out, I guess he went back to working on construction. And uh, so anyways, we were at this house, this rental, that they had called and said that there, it was a new, it was a, we had just remodeled it, but they had said that the kid had thrown something down into the toilet, okay? So we get to this house, we couldn't figure out what was going on, they, and I guess it was one of those toothbrush, you guys know the toothbrush things that 
encapsulate toothbrushes for a little kid or whatever. The kid had thrown it in there and flushed it down and it got stuck in the toilet. All right, so we've done everything we could get to get the, or done everything we could do to get this thing out except for pull the whole toilet and then put his arm in the toilet, all right? The toilet was brand new, it was clean. I know this is Mother's Day, so I'm gonna keep it really clean, all right? Um, it was newer, and he, this guy, like I'm telling you, his arms were huge, so he could barely get his hand in this toilet, and he got his hand onto this piece and then plops it out, okay? Now, mind you, I'm leaned over looking like this. <laughs> all right? So the water splashes all over my face, okay? And I'm not like the, the most, you know, germaphobe guy, but I'm up there, okay? <laughs> and this water splashes all over my face, and I'm like, I'm just looking for a towel to get everything off, and he looks at me like, you know, like you, you big pansy. Um, and, I, and he looks at me, he goes, Matt, he goes, it's just toilet water, <laughs> right? And I got my face all wiped off, and I said, Jeff, it's never just toilet water. <laughs> it's never just toilet water. Water is one thing. Toilet is one thing. Toilet water, negative. Negativo. Not a good combination, especially, you don't walk up to the toilet and rinse your face off. It's not how it works. Okay? And I would say the same for grace and law. Water is great. Toilet water, not so much. You mix the two, it taints everything, okay? And law can do that, and it, every time I hear it, it stings to me a little bit because I know what grace sounds like, and I know what law sounds like, and I know what mixture sounds like. And it's, the law was meant for this, and grace was meant for this. The two don't mix. It's oil and water, amen? This is why I have to renew my mind to the doctrine of, right, of righteousness. Romans 6.20, it says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When we were slaves of sin, we weren't, under the, we, we weren't under the reign of righteousness. It is spiritually destructive for you to question your right standing with God every time you sin. It is spiritually destructive for you to question your salvation every time you make a mistake. It's spiritually destructive for you to question your righteousness every time you do something that you're ashamed of. Okay? Romans 5.20, it says, So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. Let me say that again. The law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. That's why it was given, okay? And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. You can't out-sin God's grace. You can't. I've met some rough people in my life. And you know what's so good is the grace reached them and they understood it. Did they become perfect after that? With God, they did. In their spirit, man, they were great. Were they perfect as far as living? No. These guys were rough. And they stayed rough. And I love them just like they are. And I know God does too. Right? But it trumps, it trumps it. You can't out-sin God's grace. In fact, the more you see God's grace for yourself, the more you won't want to sin. Grace trumps sin every time. And some of you are like, I don't like that. I don't like that, right? I don't like it. My kids don't like their vegetables. It's still good for them. 
Grace is so good, for, even if you don't like the way that sounds, it's so good. It's as good for the person that has done all the good things in their life, and it's good for the person that has done all the rotten things in their life. Both came from the same lineage. Both are, have become dead at the same time, and both are as righteous as each other. Does this mean we get to do whatever we want? Yes. Yes, we get to do whatever we want. I knew you were one of those preachers, Matt. I knew you were the guy that tells everybody to go out and do whatever they want. Do you want to know something else? My want has changed. Your want has changed. If you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, your want has changed. You want the things that God wants. You do. And I get it that your flesh gets in the way and doesn't do everything. You heard Paul's conversation with himself in Romans, but your spirit is made right with him. You actually want the things that God wants. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, we're going to kind of start closing. Colossians 3, it says, Christ's resurrection, this is verse 1, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all this is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned. Can I tell you when your spirit's been made new, you yearn for the things that are above. You know, that's why you get to think on the thoughts that are above is because you're already yearning for, for them. Sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm, Okay, fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Fill your thoughts with these things that I'm talking about. Don't feel, fill your mind with all the natural realities. Okay, there's enough natural realities, guys, that we could spend a lifetime trying to figure out all of this. But fill your mind with heavenly realities. Your, crucif your crucifixion, I love that. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. Corinthians earlier, we said that it was enfolded. Last week, we talked about it being engrafted, okay? And when something is engrafted, you can't tell the difference between the base of the tree and the branch of the tree. It's the same. It looks the same. It talks the same. It smells the same. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tide of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. As, and as Christ himself is seen for you, or for who he really is, you, or who you really are, will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. We obviously still have a flesh that wars against, I get it. The spirit man, but... But if we renew our mind these re to these realities, it makes things way easier. <laughs> Does this mean God's going to correct me? Does this mean God's going to correct us, right? Let me just read to you in Hebrews. It says, verse 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises everyone whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
This doesn't mean that we lose our sonship, right? He's not going to pull away our sonship. He's not going to pull away the fact that we are children of God, right? Like if my, if my kid does something out of place, I don't say, well, that's it, you're out, right? You've done, I mean, you took the candy from the candy jar, you're out of here. I remember when I was younger, uh, my dad had me um, back out the car for the first time. Anybody remember doing that? The first time your dad let you back the car out? I was only 10. <laughs> it's a little different nowadays, right? We wait till they're 20 to start learning how to back the car out. But back then, I was 10. My dad was standing outside the car. Remember what car it was? It was an old Cutlass. It was gorgeous. It was white. And my dad decides today was the day. And I put it in reverse. And he's standing outside, and he goes, okay, now slowly put your foot on the gas. Maybe this is why they don't do it like this anymore, okay? Slowly put your foot on the gas. So I slowly put my foot on the gas, okay? Then he says, okay, you're going a little bit quicker now. Go ahead and put your foot on the brake. And I don't know why, but my foot just went even further down on the gas, all the way to the floor, okay? My dad is starting to walk with me even faster, and he's like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. And he jumps in the car, reaches down, and puts his hand on the brake and, and brakes, and we're literally about to go into the ditch behind everything outside the driveway, okay? Now, can I tell you what my dad didn't do? Is my dad didn't say, that's it, get out of the car, I hate you. You're out of here. You are the worst. I never saw this coming. This is not a part of who you are. No, in fact, when I correct my kids now, I pull them in close. I pull them in close. I correct them with love. Sometimes I'll just hold them in tight. And if you think us as natural parents would do that for our kids, how much more would our heavenly father pull us in close? Amen? When we mess up as believers, he doesn't say, you're sick, you're gross, get out of here. Romans 8.38, I'm going to close with this last verse. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that it says, I am convinced. I am convinced. Are you convinced today? Are you convinced today? Amen. That's why Jesus said, go and sin no more. It wasn't because he didn't think that, that those people, those two different people were going to make any mistakes. It's because he now was taking sin out of the equation. Jesus had the capability of taking out of the equation, and he said, go and sin no more. That's what we get to do as believers. We get to walk with him. We get to focus on all these heavenly realities and who he's made us. We are both dead and alive. We died, and now we're alive in him. And we could never be alive unless we were already dead, if that makes sense. Amen? 
Let me pray with you guys and we're gonna dismiss. Father, we just thank you, God, for each person that's in here, God. We thank you, God, for your wisdom, your grace, your mercy, God. We thank you, God, for your love. I love that last verse, God, that nothing can separate us, God. If we could walk away with that one truth, God, nothing can separate us from your love, from your mercy, God. We are engrafted into who you are and everything that you are, God. And we walk with you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.